guys hello and welcome back i'm jojo fraser it's time for a mojo injection episode 96 how are you um i hope you're feeling good i read uh i was doing some research for a talk i was giving um and some writing work that i was doing and i read that 80 percent of our thoughts are negative um and we have up to 60,000 thoughts a day or something like that and you know at first I was thinking "Mm, nah that's nonsense but if you do that challenge where you write down the thoughts you have just for a little test a little experiment and you're very aware and obviously this will come up if you've done a lot of meditation um, you become very aware of those thoughts but you start to view those thoughts differently um, and you start to learn well, you notice patterns and you start to challenge thoughts and this whole positivity stuff that I bang on about is it can be hard work right it can be hard work you know people say to me oh you're so positive you're so high energy you're so upbeat um, but we all have times in our life where you know, perhaps we have something life-changing that happens to us and it's a real wake-up call and you are on a bit of a path of rediscovery. And for me, that's definitely been the case this year. And I think for a lot of people too, um, for me as a little detective, I'm still trying to work out, I I go between a few different theories uh, of what happened to me earlier on in the year. I thinking back a lot of the stuff I took on I tried to do to the best of my ability you know if I was coaching people I would be all in all in was kind of my my sort of phase I used a lot last year like I'm all in on this I'm all in here when I'm on stage speaking I'm all in when I'm writing I'm all in I'm researching I'm going for it and it's great to be all in but you can only be all in for so long (laughs) for me um the other theory was obviously many of you will know I, I got quite into the energy the holistic side of um, mental well-being and felt things very very strongly um, was chatting to a lot of people in the energy field and just realized whoa how sensitive I was to a lot of that stuff and I don't know if meditation you know doing extra meditation made me more open to it my personality type genetic factors it could be so many things but I did feel really quite buzzy and um, really quite just impacted by some of the stuff Um, even things like going for Reiki I was like I remember once that I was just I couldn't believe how intense and overwhelming it felt um, and obviously I've been doing research and I speak about this a lot but on the, the kind of hormones that we have so um, a lot of the you know I was asking my psychiatrist was saying to her so what does the medicine actually do how did it get me better when I wasn't very well and she said it's a lot to do with the dopamine levels and I certainly did have too much dopamine. You can see all the, the sort of factors which bring more dopamine into your life. You know, you've got um, perhaps stress or a lot of really exciting plans. Um, just feeling really excited about certain things. Um, 
what else gives dopamine meditation <laughs> exercise doing a lot of that music um falling in love all these kind of things give you um, a lot of dopamine and for me at the end of last year i was saying i want to feel more alive and some people probably thought why do you need to feel more alive you're doing your wild swimming you're you've joined a band you're you know at this event and the next with the kids reviewing amazing stuff and you're going down the slides with them and you're doing all the fun stuff you probably don't need to feel more alive you probably need to chill out a bit (laughs) but um feeling alive is really good but it really got me thinking you know when we perhaps get too excited can that be a bad thing can it be a bad thing to get too excited um and yeah i find that quite interesting but look but i've been doing a lot of research about all the hormones and, and the ones that really fire up our anxiety and something we're going to be talking about this week is anxiety and for me when i was unwell you know i we've all got anxiety in us but i used to really struggle with anxiety like getting on a plane um just uh you know being on sort of crowded transport with people that looked a bit dodgy like they had a bag always at bomb um you know just you know we all have anxiety about different things anxiety about being late anxiety about my health you know I start to have pain in the back and I think that's a you know it's a tumor or you know just catastrophizing and we all have that with certain things perhaps our relationships or people judge us we all worry about that and for me the worst anxiety I've had in my life is when I wasn't sleeping very well and that's a real wake-up call because we need sleep and then when I got really high and wasn't well at the start of this year that's because partly I wasn't sleeping very well but I wasn't aware because I felt so buzzy and hyper and excited I didn't realize uh, that that can lead to to poor mental well-being and can put you in the danger zone um with anxiety a lot of it is learned behavior you know we're not born afraid of a spider and um I think it's really amazing to hear men open up about anxiety it's just a really brave thing to do because I find it quite easy to be open about things and I know so many of us don't and especially for men there's still that it's so wrong because ugh I just I don't like stigma you guys know that by now um I just like keeping it real cutting through the bull cutting through the crap and just saying how it is you know we all suffer we all have um times in our life that can be really tough and we need a bit more help we need to talk things out get them out and when we share and when we talk things out it's part of the healing process you know if you bottle up bottling up emotions is a form of fear right so if you're bottling up anger or um sadness or you know real crippling anxiety then that's not going to help you heal you know my own psychotherapist said to me it's so great that you're talking so openly about mental health because now that you've actually really struggled yourself and you didn't see it coming um you I mean I knew uh, it would be likely at some point because I'm so like my dad but at the same time I don't want to make it sound like oh you're either going to get it or you're not because we all have mental health and we're all just as vulnerable um but yeah I was sort of open-minded about it but it's just she said to me you know if you've got shame it does prolong your recovery you should not feel shame about any form of mental health mental well-being um and yeah I just think it's so important so Drew Carson I first met Drew when he approached me and asking if 
he could stream some of my content on Radio Haver. I mean, the guy set up his whole radio station. Um, Drew's a screenwriter, an author, a filmmaker. Um, his podcast, um, which is based in Scotland because he's from Airdrie, um, was wildly successful. The Drew Carson Show, which broke the 1.6 million download mark before it ended after two years. That's just insane. Um, and he, yeah, he loves screenwriting. He's really passionate, but also he has crippling anxiety. And it just amazes me how he talks so candidly about his struggles, but then he's doing all this stuff anyway. I'm just like, oh, go Drew. Um, yeah, it's great hearing him talk about all of that stuff, just very openly, very raw and real. And what a lovely guy, genuinely nice guy. Um, so I'm so thankful to have Drew on this week and so thankful for his honesty. Um, that's what this podcast is all about. We share, we're vulnerable, we're open, but that's how we create change, right? That's what we need to do. So if my my ask for you is that you share something this week, you get something off your chest, you just talk to anyone, you know, you don't have to broadcast, broadcast it. Um, but you just talk to anyone. Think of one thing that would be good just coming out, coming out of that bottle. Um, think of like this bottle is just needing empties every week, you know, because if you have a water bottle, you're not going to use the same water all week because it's going to get a bit sort of manky, isn't it? Um, and if you hold all that stuff down, what is that doing to your insides? What stress is that causing? So share. This is what this podcast, this is why it was born. Share, judge less, love and live more. And when I'm living more, I'm judging less and I'm loving more, I'm happier. But it's a daily to-do list. So let's get Drew on and thank you for being here. Give Drew loads of stars, guys. Five all the way, he deserves them. Please leave us a review, a rating. It's how we're found um, and it's how more people can access free open therapy um and honesty and yeah have a bit of positive mojo so all the love so drew welcome today thank you great to have you on the podcast we've been meaning to do this for a while um last year was quite crazy wasn't it did you did you think 2019 was like really mental like busy i thought 2019 was possibly going to be the craziest year so far and then 2020 happened and everything just seemed to grind to a halt and i don't know what's worse being mega busy or zero things happening it's like one extreme to the next isn't it It's like we're really being challenged at the moment and it's like digging deep for the license. But the first, so the first time I met you, you were just setting up um, the radio, weren't you? Yeah. And we were chatting. Right, and... Yeah. Yeah. I reached out to you about your show being on the station. Uh, I think you were possibly one of the first uh, shows I actually reached out to. I had like a group of... Uh, podcast friends who I knew were going to be on the stage I could talk into but I think you were the first uh, outsider so to speak that uh, I reached out to. Oh I'm so honoured and like 
I remember thinking like how do you do that how do you just like launch a radio like <laughs> is it super hard uh it's it's actually the ins and outs of put, putting a radio station together is actually fairly simple it's kind of like putting together a podcast network i guess mm. if you've got content all you need is somewhere to host your feed and then you're you're ready to go mm. uh, my issue at the beginning was I had the idea at the end of November and we launched at the end of January. Wow. Possibly put in maybe a month's amount of work into the planning stage. <laughs> so wow. I kind of I did it the wrong way. I, as my dad would colourfully say, I kind of went about it arse backwards, <laughs> <laughs> which I wouldn't recommend. People should uh, do their research and definitely look into the small print and everything you're signing up for because um, I didn't know when I signed up I was signing away 10.5% of my station mm -hmm. that was in the small print I didn't know that um, oh. but but the ins and outs of it yeah it's fairly simple the you a lot of these online companies that you can go through they give you a dashboard it's got the schedule and you just put the when you want them to air and you're ready to go but there's so, there were so many shows you were putting out and um, it was just, I remember just thinking, wow, like that must be a lot of effort to plan it all. Uh, yeah, uh, and the whole herding sheep mentality of getting the content when you needed it for when you, because there was a lot of people whose shows, they didn't have podcast feeds for me to pull shows in from. So yeah. I was relying on them giving me the shows at, at this started every single time and a lot of times they didn't so there was a lot of shows that were around for a couple of weeks and then disappeared and I sat down a week ago and realized we'd had actually I think it was 96 shows different programs on the wow. station wow yeah so for you what what made you go on and launch it what was your sort of motivation behind it it was partly from having a bad experience on other radio stations with uh, my podcast. Uh, one of which was, again, it was not really doing enough research on my part. Someone had a mutual contact who had a radio station online and they said, would you like to be on it? And I said, sure. So I was sending them content and then they wanted to do this kind of live show with hosts from the station so I went on that and quickly realized the host of uh, that ran this whole station was a pretty much a misogynist and a bigot oh no and I was sitting thinking yeah my content's getting associated with this uh -huh. so the live stream is over I basically pulled all my content from the station and decided the best way to go about it would be to run a station myself and run it the way I would want a station to be run, which is there can be open conversations on a whole wide range of topics, but you have to show respect and you can't use, you, you can't use, you know, bigoted terms or racial terms or things like that. It has to be a place that's welcome for everyone. It's crazy thinking what people can get away with and what you see in mainstream media. It's scary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This I found out this guy had done shows recently uh, after the 
what happened to the, the man in America who was unfortunately killed by the police officer. Mm-hmm. He did a show where he, it was called Taking a Knee for George. And he was just doing jokes about the whole situation. Oh my now, when you're living in a country with racial tensions the way they are, that to me is inciting hatred. And I, I just can't understand anyone's mentality for that at all. It's, it's hard. And, and I mean, for you, what were your values then going into the show? What, what was important to you apart from obviously making sure people aren't absolute assholes? <laughs> Oh, we had a few of them, <laughs> but they were at least uh, not bigots at the same time. <laughs> but uh, for me, I've always been someone who's about, uh, I guess, inclusivity. So I see people being marginalised. I want to give them a platform to, you know, talk about their issues, talk about what's important to them. I wanted it to be a place where people with... Uh, mental health issues could come and talk about that because that is so stigmatized and you know um, that's why I made my documentary uh, last year on mental health was because men generally don't talk about it mm-hmm. so I felt like it would, if, if I could do it maybe it would drive other people so it was topics like that I wanted to give platforms for, even for people who have what would be considered uh, right wing views on some stuff. I want to give them a platform to debate against people that are maybe more liberal type thing and have open discussions because I always feel like as long as you're talking, nothing bad happens. It's when people stop talking, it all just turns to and people get in their little bubbles with the people that have the same mentalism and they never get challenged on their opinion to know if it's their actual opinion or if it's the opinion of their friends or their circle that they're in. Yeah. And I just wanted to create a place where that could happen where no one would feel marginalized while it was happening and no one would feel um that I was only taking one side of an argument. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember you sending me the stats um quite early on and I was thinking, wow, that's great that you've got so many listeners. Yeah. Well done. Like how did you get so many listeners so soon? I think one of the things that helped uh, was we launched with, I think it was 25 shows. Mm -hmm. And most of the hosts were very good in the first kind of month of advertising the fact that we're on the station, when we're going to be on the station, what time of day. We also, at that point, were running the schedule twice. So we ran for UK time and then during the night to get our American audience. And uh-huh. I think Americans are slightly more into online ventures than we are in the UK. I think we're quite far behind on that at the moment. Mm. Um, and that helped build the audience. And I managed to appear on a BBC morning show. I got interviewed. It, uh, uh, it was supposed to be Kirsty Watt, but she was on holiday. So it was her replacement for the day. I got interviewed on that show. Um, it was about uh, starting a radio station as you've got mental health because that was one of the issues one of the things I wanted to talk about on the radio was about my mental health because uh, I went through a long period of time where I didn't leave the house so it was like six seven years I didn't really leave the house and developed agoraphobia so I wanted to talk about that and how I've always used online as a way to meet people mm-hmm. 
So like, I met my wife online. <laughs> Most of my friends I've met through being on the internet. Uh, I've communicated with far more people online than I have uh, as an adult, which is kind of sad in a way. But um, I wanted to show how that can, a lot of people show how that can be bad in society, but I wanted to show that it can be positive to it too. Mm-hmm. So I think being on the BBC helped because that gives a little bit of boost because I managed to mention the website address for the station. Mm-hmm. I think someone clocked it about 13 times during <laughs> the 10 minutes I was on. <laughs> wow, good for you. That's, that's yeah. I know, because I'm always a bit like, shy, like, not shy, but I'm trying to get in like all the mojo injection and the book and stuff, but <laughs> I remember once being on BBC because I did quite a bit with them and uh, Stephen Jardine and say, "Oh, nice plug." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get in there, though. You've you gotta got get in there, yeah. Millions of viewers or listeners, however many they get. Um, but I think as well because you were so, because that's what I thought was great when we first started chatting. Because for me, like every episode I was putting out on the podcast was about mental health and taking away the stigma and normalizing these conversations so I would get quite deep with people quite quickly um and knowing that they were going out into so many other um you know because I always say if you can help one person um and to know that you can help you know hundreds thousands of people it's just amazing isn't it yeah yeah um you know at the end we were averaging I think something like three and a half thousand listeners an hour by the end of the station yeah so when you you add it up over the 18 months it's millions of listeners yeah so you uh, I mean how long did you say it was six years ago when you first started to struggle with your mental health or uh starting to struggle I I went through a kind of traumatic experience in my teens that I never dealt I dealt with the physical that went with it but not the mental so I would say it was probably early 20s I started developing mental health issues so at that point it's probably when I I started to not leave the house very much Um, so it's that's probably it's probably 16, 17 years ago something like that Uh, but I would say in the last I'd say in the time I've known my wife, I've become going. I still have serious issues with leaving the house. I have to know the route I'm taking. I have to have done it before. Or I just, if one thing goes wrong, if I go and the train's late or the train's early, I have a, I get like some type of internal feeling that I have to go home Mm -hmm. because it's not went to plan. Um, So I still have feelings like that. I still have... Uh, depression on a regular basis I still have well I I guess you you could describe as piss poor uh, self-respect in some ways Uh, I don't really believe in myself that much and my anxiety isn't as bad as it was when it was at its worst I was having 12 14 seizures a day because of anxiety yeah I now maybe have one or two a week um so that's improved greatly over the years, um, but it's all been, you know, I did a lot of uh, therapy sessions and stuff to get to that point. Um, learned a lot of techniques, breathing exercises, um, different 
ways to switch your thinking in the moment all that type of stuff yeah because there's so many things we can do and a lot of people don't know that and you can just sort of write yourself off as okay i'm just anxious you you know you, you hang on to these labels and actually we can do so much but it's mm. when we start sort of talking about that because that must have been so hard like the feeling of leaving your house some people they won't won't get that will just say you open the door you go out <laughs> um mm. and like were you able to identify a trigger because i guess it's a safety you've got this longing to keep yourself safe with anxiety but uh for me the way uh, my anxiety would describe to me was most people's resting anxiety levels down here mine and it takes up here to get to the point where you would have a seizure my anxiety level kind of rests here so okay. i've got a shorter journey uh -huh. um a lot of things will trigger that uh so for me it was as in sensations that go with once it's triggered to know i need to employ x y and z techniques to stop it from happening so one of the things i've realized is my body temperature goes up when i start to get really anxious mm -hmm. um, and knowing that i can then start to do things but there's still times when i'll have a, a seizure because I, I just can't control it uh, the worst one was probably about five years ago maybe four years ago I had a seizure I was home alone. Uh, I had the seizure sometime in the morning. My wife came home from work probably about half six at night and I was still unconscious on the floor. Oh so I'd been unconscious all day. And I lost like a chunk of memory that I've never got back from that seizure. So like, um, don't actually remember my wedding day. I know my memory of my wedding day is my wedding video. I see it from the angles of the, the way it was shot in the video. I don't have memory of it, though. So there's stuff like that. Uh, that I think a lot of people think of anxiety in a way that they think it's someone feeling scared or someone being nervous. But you can anxiety can be you know, crippling for someone to the point where they will spend years in their house because in their house they're safe they, they'll spend time not talking to other people because the thought of talking to other people can you know drive them just to that point where they can't stop from panicking mm -hmm. um it's one of the i think it's one of the mental health uh conditions that's the least talked about in society is anxiety because people see it as a weakness yeah and it's like so not yeah it's so well the thing is there'll be so many cases we don't know about because as you say there is still so much stigma um i speak pretty openly in my first book about you know my first panic attack i didn't actually know that you could have seizures with anxiety yeah they're called a lot of different terms for them one of the terms for them is pseudo seizures so a lot of people instinctively think that means fake what it is is your brain just you just disassociate with the situation you just mm -hmm. your brain turns off it's, it's only way of coping mm -hmm. um for me if i'm standing that means i'm falling to the ground face first i've went over banisters down flights of stairs and things with this happening i've dislocated my shoulder i've broke my arm wow. a couple of times now with it um i've 
knocked teeth loose and things. So it can be quite scary for the people uh, that are around me at the time it happens. And and do you say, you say like your temperature is quite an indication. So would you feel like you were getting like hot and like hot flushes and stuff before it happened? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before I realised that was a thing, it it probably, when I was happening, I probably thought I was getting warm purely from the situation, like, because I was getting agitated or something. Mm -hmm. But now that I know that that's one of the triggers, it is, it's like, it's like you've just walked into an oven. That's how it feels. That's how warm I feel inside. So uh, it's one of the good things about the therapy is that it's probably made that experience slightly worse, but it means knowing that that experience is there actually helps Mm -hmm. what comes after it, which is far worse for me because... When I come around from a seizure, it's like I'm so out of it. People think I'm drunk or, mm. you know, stoned or something because that's, I'm slurring my words. I don't know where I am. So for me, that's far worse than the feeling of, the, you know, it feels like, th- like flames touching your skin. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And do you, like, does it impact your sleep? Like, how do you put the two together? Because I find if I'm not getting much sleep, I'm more likely to, to be anxious. Yeah. Uh, I've had periods in my life where I've went, you know, 12, 13 days without sleep and had to take sleeping tablets. I had a point where I was basically relying on sleeping tablets sleep and then I couldn't get sleep without them. And that's a horrible, vicious cycle to get into. But yeah, I, I go through a lot of bouts of insomnia when my anxiety is at its worst. It's, it's scary, isn't it? Because for yeah. me, having struggled with insomnia earlier on at the start of the year, but I didn't know what it was because I was quite buzzy. But um, they, they say, the doctor was saying, you know, if you deprive someone of sleep for a week, they'll get delusional, they'll get yeah. really paranoid. Because um, I've spoken to people and they say, oh, I was really anxious. I didn't get sleep for a while. But they were functioning and going to work. And I was thinking, how could you actually, you know, if you were really not sleeping, you were sleeping a couple of hours a night or whatever, how could you actually, like, drive or, you know, yeah. get out the door? Yeah, I, I don't know how people function that way. Um, I've had it to the point where I've seen... Like I've had hallucinations where I think my shadow's trying to come off the wall to kill me in the middle of the night, and yeah, I've I've had horrible things. I'm like I, I thought I've heard whispers in, at my ear and things when I've been going through that. So I don't know how people function on that. Uh, I can't uh, drive anyway. If you have any type of seizure condition, you have to go something like five years or something before you can get really? licensed back. And I've never went that length of time since I was. 21 so wow so you think the therapy because we need to take away the stigma of therapy as well don't we but i I think everyone should have a therapist (laughs) at some some stage but how much would you see that helped and has been helping you i'd say without cognitive behavioral therapy i probably there's a good chance I wouldn't still be married because without going through that, I would probably have pushed my wife away. Um, 
because it was I wouldn't want her to be with me when I was as bad as I was at my worst. Mm-hmm. So I would say probably a good 70-80% of, wow. of me has been that. Because I've been on medications and things like that and some medications, they, they make you feel kind of like a zombie and yeah. you just don't feel like yourself. And you, I, I can't function like that. Um, I do a lot of writing and things like that. If I'm on medication, I have no creativity at all for that type of thing and that's what I do so I can't be that way um and medication and me don't really go very well together anyway I've got a history of abusing uh, my pain medication mm-hmm. uh, I have chronic pain as well so there's a lot of times where I was on like opiates and stuff for that and I'd abuse it because I was trying to I guess in a way I was probably trying to fix the emotional pains mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that are manifesting as physical pains and yeah. that doesn't work yeah so, so i try fun. to stay away from medication as much as possible but for other people i know it works it's hard though because a lot of people do say it numbs it does mm-hmm. numb you and i i know that because i was told i had to go on medication for the first time at the start of the year um and that was because I was high. I had hypomania. I'd never had anything like this before. I mean, I'd struggle with anxiety, but with actual high stuff, I didn't, you know, there's so much of a platform on depression or when you go low, but I didn't, so I'd done all the research on that, but going high. And um, I'm the sort that wouldn't even take a paracetamol if I had a headache. So I'm quite like, no, no, because my mum's probably put this anxiety in me because she always talks about things like, oh, it's not good for your stomach or it's not good for that. So I'll be like, right, I'll have this headache now, but I'll just not take anything. And um, yeah, I'd just like rather not put anything in my body. But it was like, well, at that point, it was like, no, you actually need it. I am at the stage now where I've halved it. But it's still quite a lot for me to be on. And it's like that writing mojo, because I had it so bad. And then now it's like, I should really write some of that. And I'm like, I've not got that passion, you know, that desire that I had. And I'm just putting it down to write, well, we'll just, you know, we'll get there. We'll, We'll get that back up but try and bring the medication down but I need to sort of get sign off as well and because uh, they can be quite things yeah. like therapists and stuff if you've had quite a, a bad episode they want to make sure that you don't just go cold turkey it's but there's still so much they don't know about mm-hmm. it and that's why I think talking about it is so important because if you put shame into it then it's going to prolong recovery from anything you know if there's shame and there's stigma there and you're not talking and you're not getting the feelings out then you know you're bottling it all up and it's just it's prolonging the agony isn't it definitely yeah i think even if uh, medication is working for people i think they really do need to be able to talk to someone and i think it's important for that someone to be possibly end because a friend's going to tell you what they think they want you to hear mm-hmm. whereas a therapist is going to tell you what you need to hear because mm-hmm. they, they are trained to evaluate what you're saying and know what that means so I think it's an important process do you it's, sorry what you said I was going to say especially if if you can get an NHS therapist we are very lucky in the UK to be able to get 
mental health care on the NHS and you know there's people in America, I know people in America that have severe depression and they can't afford to go therapy for it so I think when we're in a country that has a health system like we have it's it's vital to use it when needed I know I know and it's uh, it can be easy to to have that kind of UK mentality like chin up you're fine and just crash on and because I always struggled with you know I do like motivational talks so I can get people fired up and stuff but at the same time I don't want it to be like yeah you got this and and sort of take away from people's illnesses or people's struggles as well because we have to admit that some days you are going to really struggle to leave the house to get out of bed to to do anything and it's uh it's okay to sometimes give yourself a bit of a break some days and say right okay i'm aware of this do you have like techniques you use like writing down your mood or anything you use at home that helps you i find when i do uh, meditation on a regular basis that really helps my um, mood uh, level out mm-hmm. the problem is when it gets leveled out for a long period of time I then get lazy with it mm-hmm. and then I go back to old ways I think the biggest thing for me is finding something that works for you and sticking with it religiously doing it mm-hmm. um, oh well, I'm not religious so I don't know why I said religiously but <laughs> you have to like for me meditation really helps uh i use the mind garden technique which is why my documentary was called that which is you imagine a garden in your head you put the flowers in everything the way you'd want it for me i don't mine's is, isn't a garden the random way my mind works i'm sitting in a cinema hall and i'm doing the movie on the screen because I, I do i write screenplays that's one of my things so i put that together and that helps me that's a good distraction technique for me um, but I think you have to you have to use these techniques all the time. Um, also, being a being and writing and doing with the radio station, I sit at the computer for a long time in the day, and that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to get outside. You have to get you have to you can't just be doing that one thing. Even though at the beginning it will be good for you because doing something that's repetitive can be quite good for mental health to focus you but I think after a time it can become quite a not a particularly helpful thing for your mental state do so you changing stuff up helps it's mixing up with the meditation do you find there's a time of day that works best for you for me it's mornings mm-hmm. early in the morning yeah and do you and does it just give you like a bit clarity does it help you deal a little bit with the inner critic uh yeah uh, very much so um i've learned quite a few different techniques the uh, buddhist techniques for um that type of thing uh there's a lot of different like one that's just purely it's to do with counting your breaths you're taking breaths in out and counting in between and then that type of thing i I've, i use all different variations of the, that in it but for me I think it's just a way to kind of gather my thoughts and be less critical of myself than I would be with it just going on in the background mm-hmm. I think well this is what I've done today this is what I need to do today this is how I need to set out to get it accomplished mm-hmm. um, and it gives me time 
to put thought into where I've been and what I've done in the, the time since. So from in the last five years, I've published a book, I've made a documentary, I've run a radio station, and I've written and produced two different audio dramas. Wow. Uh, yeah, all without leaving the house particularly to do them, but I've achieved that. And if I can achieve that with like no finances to make that easy mm-hmm. uh, just through hard work anyone can if you have a goal you can just set little goals and then build to bigger ones um that's how i've been trying to do it and you obviously love what you do and that's your that's yeah. your passion isn't it so yeah when, when did you realize this was you know that that thing that brings the magic out in you uh i've always I always wrote uh, short stories when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. When I got to my early teens, I started dabbling in scripts. It was usually for TV shows I liked. I'd write like episodes and they were terrible, absolutely terrible. I think I wrote about maybe 30 plus screenplays before I wrote one that was any good. Uh, I've managed to get a bunch of them optioned over the years. So wow. I've managed to get work through that. Mm-hmm. Um I just I quite like having a blank page Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people hate a blank page I love a blank page because there's so many different places you can go with it yeah it's just creating you know creating worlds something you can I get it's probably a control issue I don't really control my life as much as I would like to be in control of my life all this thing I'm writing all these people's lives and what's going to happen to them so yeah I think that's yeah writing is huge for me for that reason so like writing is a form of medication i think yeah it's just Very much so. so good for it for you and and i think you i wouldn't say anyone could write a, you know when they say oh we've all got a book in us yeah i don't know because it's quite a lot of work isn't it yeah <laughs> like when when did you decide right i'm gonna write a book uh I was right I was writing a story and I got three quarters of the way through it and I realized the story wasn't going to end I didn't have an ending I, I, it was one of the first time I've ever sat down and whole thing wasn't like I hadn't mapped anything out at all I had no guide for where it was going and I realized I not finish it I didn't know why I started it mm-hmm. and the book developed into me talking about the writing process about that and then into mental health for what had happened to me so it became kind of like a memoir mm-hmm. and that's what the book ended up being it was like a weird memoir talking about my writing process <laughs> I had basically arsed this story up and why that was um, but yeah it was basically at that point I think I wanted to write a novel to prove to myself I could. Mm-hmm. I've written two since, not published, but I've written two full-length novels since. Um, but this little memoir thing got published. It's done quite well. Um, so it was quite fun. What's it to uh, tell for people? Where can they find it? It's on uh, Amazon. It's called Who Am I? And the author's just Drew Carson. 
It's got like a weird cover with question marks and floating heads, my head floating about the cover. <laughs> I love it. And it's such a profound question. Like we should all ask, we all ask at some points. I remember someone saying to me, I was getting coaching when I would put my first book out and um, they were like, so who are you? You know, <laughs> who are you? What are your values? And you're sort of like, sort of think you know who you are. Yeah. And you're like, right, what are my personal values actually? what are the what are the values i hold most dearly you know and you, you start to do a little bit of exploring and perhaps things that you thought were important to you aren't and yeah. perhaps you don't realize like the determination you have as well so if you're a creative person and you want to impact the world through your art and um, your writing you know your your thing it's like sometimes we don't realize like how strong and resilient we are even though you know you can experience anxiety like crippling um yeah. you know and if you were to write down all the horrible thoughts we get each day you know some days it can really go to town i i just see it as like a little devil on my shoulder and i'm like trying to silence a little mm -hmm. girl said to me today actually she was like in the garden earlier and she's like that's just the ego talking mum I'm like yes she's listening she's like seven <laughs> but like all this sort of research I've been doing in mental health and um tr mindfulness space and trying to quieten down the ego because the, the ego tells you you're rotten you're not good enough that's also the ego as well it's not just all oh, your you can do this or you know you sort of the positive side of it where you you know you get a little bit of a boost and you're like yeah you've got this it's like that other voice saying you're awful is like the ego mm -hmm. too so it's really trying to push those thoughts aside and that is a daily process yeah yeah it's um from the moment you wake up in the morning to the moment you go to sleep at night hopefully yeah. <laughs> well, and the next day here we are again yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's amazing though, and I, I do think like there is a hundred percent a pattern with like people that are really creative and put themselves out there and anxiety. They seem to go like together. Yeah, there is a lot of uh writers, there's a lot of actors especially that have serious conditions. I know I was interviewing an actor two years ago in uh off air they were saying about how in an, a regular situation they they actually play a character when they walk into any room where they have to be a movie star they play the role of a movie star because inside they're petrified of talking to new people saying something wrong um not being who that person wants them to be yeah uh, that that's just... like the biggest biggest concern the person is not living up to the image yeah yeah it's a lot of pressure isn't it yeah and it, it's like for me when I when I discovered acting it was like oh it was love at first try you know because it could take me out of that anxious little child that was just so worried and you know nervous and shy and it was like wow when you can be someone else or it's like you're putting on a performance isn't it yeah and it's yeah. it's scary how how many people just have that you know have well we all we all have that part of us but you know when you hear of people that like feel really deeply 
we take a lot of stuff on, you know, but there's something with that that merges into creativity. Yeah, it's one of the things I've often thought that it'd be a good initiative for the government to set up would be using creative arts to help treat mental health. Mm-hmm. You could go, you could learn like acting classes or whatever, but it's all done with someone in the room who has a background in counselling or whatever, and then a creative person, and they're both helping you in different ways. You'd learn a, you'd learn a skill which is always going to improve your mental health because you've learned something, you've achieved something. That's always helpful. Mm-hmm. And you would be around people who are in a similar situation. So you might extend your um, social circles through meeting mm-hmm. other people, going through something similar, or you work with them away from the group and that type of thing. I've always thought it's something you'd think there'd be a government initiative going into that type of thing at some point. But seeing as the British government looks like it's about to not bail out the arts, that's probably not going to be something that they do. <laughs> Maybe that could be your next venture. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the, the radio, because things you've had quite a challenge this year. Tell us like what happened and, and how, how you've kind of stayed resilient through that. So I found out uh, that the company who was hosting the radio station online, so they they maintained the feed, the radio station feed twenty four hours a day for me. Um, as I said uh, earlier, they kind of had a ten and a half percent share in the company, which meant that if your company made money, they would get ten and a half percent of the revenue made. But you also got perks like you paid less for the f- having the feed with them you would get access to having apps and things like that. They got into financial trouble because of the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to f- furlough a lot of staff and then they worked out they couldn't actually run the company f- with people from home. Mm-hmm. It was too difficult to do. So they got bought out by a bigger company, uh, Virgin, who have decided to change the terms and conditions in everyone's contract. So basically we're wanting you to play 18% of all music played had to be a virgin artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking to quadruple the costs of being on their service and they had to have final say on all content, mm-hmm. which for a station who, which has a lot of both left-wing and right-wing programming, you're never going to appease someone like that. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're talking about, you know, there's people that are talking about politics, there's people that are talking about uh, sexuality, uh, mental health, and a lot of the boxes that they said you couldn't talk about mm-hmm. were the subjects that my station talks about. So completely against your values then. Yeah. Uh, so I applied to, I basically said to them, I want to leave the service when my contract's up. So I'll go and run it somewhere else. We'll part ways. No one's hurt. The station's never made a penny. It's all been paid out of my own pocket. They've never contributed in any way, shape or form. I've paid for everything. And they said, no, they were going to use the clause in the contract, which said I couldn't take it to another service without their say-so. 
and in another station for six months, which is uh, awesome, as you can imagine. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't see what they get out of doing it. Um, I know there's been, there was a couple of community stations, including one which is run by a church, and all the church plays is gospel music. Mm-hmm. So who are they going to play that's on the Virgin label? But uh, they've had to fit. So they're now playing pop music on their station that's aimed at bringing uh, middle-aged and older people into their church. Mm-hmm. It's just, it makes no sense. So that's really frustrating. Do you have a plan? Like, do you have a sort of action plan or, or what you want to do for the next new while? Uh, after, I'm going to take some time away from and the next big project. I'm going to focus a little bit on my writing for a while. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've written in substantial, so I'll be looking to do that. Um, and I want to get back in, into doing some volunteering. Uh, there's a food bank in the town I live in that's desperate for people to come and help out. I'm guessing because of lockdown, people aren't helping. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to sign up to help that. Um, oh, that's so nice. And there's a there's been a couple of kind of... There was one thing that's a, a volunteer position where you're teaching creative writing to recovering addicts. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of to help them put into story what their life was and what they want their life to be, things like that. So I want to try and help people in some way, shape or form, just to, uh, to use one of your terms, to get my mojo back and <laughs> get my head back in a good space. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That is really amazing to hear that because when you have a knock... It can be so easy just to stay in that cycle of why is this happening and it's not fair and it can be so easy just to just, ugh, to go down that pathway. So having having those you know insights and having those thoughts and still wanting to make a difference because knowing that that's kind of what we're here to do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always I always say like life's not meant to be easy it's almost like it's part of the game of life uh, rejection suffering pain um because it, it makes us a bit more all right okay back up you know bad days good days but back on to the next thing have that that fresh vision there yeah yeah i think if you can help anyone in any way shape or form i think it's just kind of human decency to do so mm-hmm. um, I know there's a guy in uh, my street who's been buying groceries for older people in the street that couldn't get out and he's he's been doing that since this time and just leaving it at their door so it's anything you can do to help I think it's just that's what you should do I know and, and it's having focus as well though because sometimes you think I could help this way I could help and you sort of want to do it all and then you're like right I'll do that and, do it. and it, it, it's sort of saying right how can I help what's my thing right okay focus on that rather than sometimes I find like if I go on social media or you, you see things you're like oh I should be doing this I should be doing that and it's knowing like what you can do but not trying to take on too much either <laughs> yeah I find uh, social media is a 
somewhere I seem to spend less time. Uh, especially in lockdown, it seems people have got very, very political. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's extreme political. Like there's people who I've been friends with for, you know, 10 years. And then you find out they have some very bizarre political beliefs, uh, mm-hmm. opinions on on society having less rights than they do and it's I just find social media at times quite a dark place yep it's it can be really dark and for me it's certainly something that I've been looking into two young kids thinking like they're going to be on there teenagers potentially um and you sort of think right what can we do to make it a better place um what can you know it it's really you know even things like likes how many likes you get or why they not knowledge in my post or you know people are putting this on google and coming into some of the blogs i've written about it like keeping your self-esteem and your mojo if you have an online account you know and and learning to distance yourself but it's really hard for teenagers because that's when the ego really, really starts to kick in and you, yeah. you do care about what people think and it's kind of learning to not as you get older, but it's easier said than done, isn't it? Oh, de- definitely, yeah. I, I find I fall into a, a stupid habit of when people are posting things about how uh, COVID-19 isn't a real virus, it's <laughs> made by Bill Gates or whatever. And I, get, I seem to get incredibly offended by people calling a virus fake and I think it's purely because my wife's a nurse so she's in hospital you know five days a week basically putting her life on the line well these people are sitting at home and moaning because they haven't had their hair cut and I just get (laughs) really offended by people that are saying that it's not a real virus that people don't die from it I know I personally know two people one who died of it and one whose son died of it and he was only 17. Oh my goodness. So, yeah, it's it's a real virus. <laughs> did they have an underlying health condition? The My my friend who died of it did, yeah, had a heart condition. Um, the 17-year-old was a track athlete. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I just, I don't know, he must have got, maybe got it worse than other people have had it or whatever, but uh, yeah, 17. It's just it's just so sad, isn't it? It's been such a crazy year, and it's like trying to keep the mojo in 2020. (laughs) But it is right. You can see why that's frustrating when you go on, Mm -hmm. and and you're actually seeing it from the other side. I mean, the NHS just they're amazing. Absolutely. How how is your wife finding it? Uh, I think. Probably it is stress. Uh, um, it's the, her work is definitely more stressful. Um, it's with the, she's works with children, so the children she works with have chronic illnesses. So if COVID, it's you know it's more than not they would not survive it. So that's a horrible thing because she obviously, as a nurse, she builds up strong relationships with these kids. Mm. Um, And I think hospital staff are probably on edge because they're underfunded. They don't have the right protection, don't have the right gear and stuff to be dealing with it. 
uh, and you have people that are having garden parties with like 70 people in their garden uh, all this going on at the same time it's kind of a slap in the face to them or people going all these people that went to the beach in England and yeah. I just I, I don't see the point I, if people had followed the guidelines for the amount of time the guidelines would have been there we'd be a lot further along by now it is frustrating that's probably another reason not to go on social media when you see these things like sometimes I'll just be like right because you're getting that kind of adrenaline you're getting the you know the hormones that you kind of feel like disgusted and like angry and then you're like oh right i need to calm calm myself down yeah it's one of those things where you have to keep telling yourself the people who are posting the conspiracy theories and things they are going through the same as you they are dealing with because and their first their whatever form of mental health issue they have it's easier for them as a human to believe that it's all fake and it's all going to go back to normal because if they don't believe that, the world's a far scarier place than they, they can accept it to be. Mm. And you kind of have to see it from that point of view. But yeah, there's times when you're just like, yeah, maybe I'll just yeah, I'll block that person for a little while. <laughs> hard. Like, I think meditation is good because I, I find I judge mm. less, like even when it's so easy to judge. Because the, the strap line for this podcast has always been judge less, live and love more, you know, but it's yeah. very easy to say that. But then when someone is putting stuff out that really triggers you, you're just like, no, this is not what. And then it's like taking a step back and going, right, now I'm like judging them. But it's like, it's so hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. We're all allowed off days, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I find... I've started to try and post something positive every day. That's great. Just post or share something someone else has posted. Um, give someone a like on something that yeah. you know. Just do something to that's not a negative thing. Uh, I've I've also noticed that a lot of people I know and myself have started watching films they liked when they were younger. It's like you kind of because that gives you that kind of feel good. Um, feeling that yeah, maybe staying off of social media is quite helpful in yeah. that way. We watched Big the other day. Such a classic. Like, mm. I was like, right, the kids can watch it now pretty much. Um, well, and then it got to the end and I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> but no, like, <laughs> like the Zoltar machine and stuff. I was like, oh, careful what you wish for it. Um, but it's just, I know there's something about watching those movies that you loved when you were younger that just feels quite comforting yeah yeah it's you kind of get the same feeling from like when you eat something like comfort food mm-hmm. it's the same thing a movie that you loved as a child yeah it's the same it's like a big hug it's yeah. doing more of that stuff because because I, I always like i was saying to someone the other day like how much of the news do you actually watch like you need to distance yourself from that because the thing is like negativity is like really infectious but then so is positivity so if you can say i'm a day right mm-hmm. i'm going to watch that film instead of a two hours you know like there's people i've spoken to that have the news on all day all yeah. day i'm just like ah, the mojo is going to be out of town like it's just <laughs> you're just going to be living in a state of fear and anger but if you can do like what i've thought this year is even if you can focus on two good things that you did 
in the day like you watch that good good movie and you like whatever um and you focus on that rather than all the other challenges that were thrown it does really help doesn't it yeah i think so yeah uh, I, I avoid the news if i'm honest i find the uh, modern journalism is less about reporting facts and more about just reporting first Mm-hmm. and I think that's incredibly dangerous because mm-hmm. that leaves you with something like 70% of what's on the news is false and then they tell you the next day about the stuff that was false mm-hmm. so it's I just I prefer like for the statistics on these and that coming out of the UK I listen to First Minister's Daily Bulletin uh then look up the nhs figures online and that's it i I just i don't rely on any of the other sources probably quite a sensible approach (laughs) oh it's tough and like for you obviously you you listen to a lot of great authentic content through the radio are there like a couple of pieces of advice or like learnings or lessons that have stuck with you to, that you sort of carry with you? Uh, when it comes to mental health? Yeah, just general uh, well-being. I would say one of the ones, one of the best bits of advice I heard was if you're, what was it? If you're stuck in an, uh, a, a momentary cycle of negative thoughts, walk, just if you go out and walk, just even around the block, and when you get back to your door, if your head's still there, you go again. Mm-hmm. And eventually the endorphins start kicking in and mm-hmm. you start thinking other ways around the situation and things like that. That's a That's a very good... A uh, bit of advice for people, um, and I'm able to do <laughs> exercise more freely, so <laughs> that's allowed. Uh, another one was uh, someone said what they do is they created a email account that all they do is send to uh, the thoughts that are going through their head, the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. And the act of writing it down triggers in their head how crazy it is. Yeah. And how negative it is and it's not true. Mm-hmm. But no one else gets to see it. No one finds the, the pages anywhere. So no one, you know, thinks, oh my God, what, how, why is he thinking that? Or why is she thinking that? It's all in this archived folder on an email account. Mm-hmm. And I think that's quite positive because the person that said that what they do is Every now and again, they'll go in and they'll just pick a random one and read it and then try to dissect it. What could they have done differently to not have got into the position where they're thinking that? Um, And it's kind of like their own little therapy session with themselves, Mm -hmm. with a future version of themselves that's slightly more... I guess, wiser from the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the two that have stuck with me. Um, uh, The only other, I guess the only other advice I've always 
stuck with when it comes to writing is if the side character is more interesting than the lead character, just write about the side character as the lead now. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, it is so true though. I, I definitely love the like the around the block thing as well, but you actually have to like shove yourself out the door sometimes. Yeah like push yourself out you're like no I'm going down this spiral of negativity right get out and it is amazing how you come back with a fresher kinder head mm-hmm. like I feel like once I'm out running or walking I have quite something about trees as well like the like the color green mm-hmm. when I was ill the walls in my hospital were green um, so something about the colour green um, soothes, you know, and you, you get that nature fix and you come back and you're like, right, yep, my head's, my head's clearer and less, less nasty. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Uh, I think I'd probably get in trouble painted the walls of my house green because I live near Govan, so... <laughs> They look very nice. Oh, well, you can't go wrong with white. I'm gonna paint. <laughs> I'm gonna paint this room pink. Actually, a dusky pink. It's been one of the lockdown to do lists, but can't do it all. You know, we'll, we'll, yeah. we're get we're getting there, getting there. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what you do next. Yeah, um, I'm optimistic about the future. Uh, I do tend to have a a crazy project comes up every couple of years <laughs> that I push myself to do, but yeah. Yeah, it's all about like it's great having that push, and then you, and then you maybe take a little bit of time to right reflect, yeah. try and slow down, um, and then you you go again. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, let's do this. So, if people want to contact you, where's the best place? Uh, to contact me, uh, probably on probably on Facebook. Um, I'm the Radio Haver group open. I want it to become a place where people can keep sharing their episodes and singers can keep sharing their songs and stuff in it mm-hmm. to help promote them. So it's just going to be a kind of promotion platform, stuff like that. But I'll always be checking that out. Uh, I also obviously have my Facebook profile they can find me it's this face usually is the picture um and if anyone's wanting to contact me directly for anything uh, it's my email that i use for that is the drew carson at outlook.com that's kind of like my old podcast email address that i still use amazing and um i always ask as well what's your favorite song to make you feel good uh, to make me feel good. It's probably very random, but it's probably Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. I, I was like it. a massive Bon Jovi fan growing Really? Up. <laughs> you know, so many people love that song. It's like an anthem, isn't it? It's like a yeah. proper... <laughs> oh. 
take my hand we'll make it i swear um it's great no thank you so much for sharing so honestly and openly today um it's because it, when we share honestly and openly it allows other people to do so as well so i'm sure you've really helped so thank you and um my pleasure no it's been really cool to chat and looking forward to seeing where you go with it <laughs> you're a star you're a star so thank you very much. Oh, we're halfway there. Oh, living on a prayer. Take my hand. We'll make it, I swear. Right, the little one is building, building blocks. You can probably hear them in the background. Um, guys, thanks for tuning in. I'm off to build some blocks or do whatever I'm told. Uh, our latest game is I get all the balls in the garden and I kick them while he's swinging, or both of them at the same time, kick the balls, and they freaking love it. And apparently I'm the best kicker, so I have to do it all the time. Um, The things you do, eh? Guys, have a really, really good week. Sending you all the posy vibes and love. Mwah!